I also learned how much the ability to solve this kind of crime depends on rapid police response and the complete cooperation of those closest to the victim, especially whoever was the last to see the missing person. For the detectives on such cases, the clock begins ticking from the moment the person vanishes, as the chances of recovering the victim alive fall dramatically after the first 24 to 48 hours. I could see firsthand how, as more and more time passed, feelings of helplessness, self-blame, and intractable grief take an immeasurable toll on the family of the missing, just as frustration and irresolution eat away at the detectives searching in vain for their loved ones. When the trail grows cold, when the hundreds or thousands of tips, leads, sightings, interviews, and alibi checks all come up dry, the case remains officially open, but in a sense a curtain is drawn around an ongoing tragedy. In this type of crime, where a beloved family member has disappeared and no hint of evidence remains, someone has been able to commit what is, in effect, personal terrorism against everyone who knew and loved the missing person, and has literally gotten away with murder. By leaving no trace and no trail, no usable evidence or clues, the murderer faces fewer personal consequences than the average citizen might face from a minor traffic violation. There is no arrest, no hearing, no trial, no justice, and no answers. There is no body to recover, no funeral, no burial, no headstone. Whereas most of the public is cognizant only of the few weeks or months when the search for a missing person is at its zenith, those who have been close to these crimes have seen the unresolved grief, the wrenching apart of families, the pained expressions on the faces of investigators. These cases are never formally closed, but they fall into a horrible state of limbo where hope is squeezed beyond human endurance. When I first heard about the disappearance of Lacey Peterson and the allegations that someone had abducted a pregnant woman as she walked her large and protective dog in a heavily utilized city park, my instincts as a reporter told me that something was off. Within a week of her disappearance, I began reporting on the story, making the first of many trips to her hometown of Modesto, walking where she was said to have walked that day, visiting the places and people that were pivotal to understanding this crime. I would go on to follow the case through to its resolution, attending every day of the nearly year-long trial of her husband Scott for the double murder of his wife and unborn son. I was driven, like so many millions of other people, by compassion for this vital young expectant mother, but also by a growing sense that a larger story was still unrecognized. As is now well known, the kidnapping scenario advanced by Scott Peterson was simply an elaborate ruse, a complete fabrication in a profoundly Machiavellian plot. The ugly truth that emerged at trial was that Lacey had been murdered by her own husband, a seemingly normal, well-functioning man, a young man with a college education and an apparently good upbringing, who held a job and managed the responsibilities of adult life, and who had no criminal background whatsoever. The murder occurred without warning, without any prior history of abuse in the marriage.' 
Furthermore, this normal young man took the extraordinary risks involved in staging a phony crime, to use the technical term that forensic investigators use when a crime or crime scene is made to seem like something other than what it was, and disposing of his dead wife's body in broad daylight 90 miles away in the middle of San Francisco Bay.